We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Trochi. Keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Anyone that's watching this on YouTube can see Bill Bender's Christmas tree is gone, and it, <laughs> but it, it's it's not gone from the living room. It's he who is gone from the living room. You are in Houston. You touched down. You've talked to people. You've talked to media people. You've talked to players. How's it going in Houston so far? Good. Media day was a success. We got around. I've got a lot of stuff to transcribe. I'm in the process of doing that. We'll have features on several players. Um, I, a couple of things we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, the media access was good. Houston is huge, Bill. I've never been here. It's it's like I very spread out. That's what I've been told. Yeah, it is huge. And, you know, um, Lancaster, Ohio, where I grew up, I think you could fit about 30 Lancaster, Ohio's in here, man. It, it is a very big city, but not too big for sporting news. We are here. We're having a lot of fun uh, covering it. It's going to be a good time. I feel like I've read that it's the by land landmass inside the city limits. It's the biggest in the in the country. So you're not wrong in saying and feeling like it's uh, spread out and big and everything like that. So, all right, well, before we get into it, I got a little Trochi trivia for you ahead of Monday night's national championship game between Michigan and, and Washington. Okay. Question is in the, I guess it's the nine, nine year history at this point, correct? Mm-hmm. Of the uh, college football playoff championship game. They give away an offensive player of the game and a defensive player of the game. Okay. Three times the offensive player of the game has not been a quarterback. Can you name those three players who were named the championship game player of the game, offensive player of the game, who were not quarterbacks? So see what you can do with that one. We'll revisit it at the end of the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's uh, start on the Michigan session today, okay? You uh, you went to the media session and uh, describe what it was like. I'm sure it was packed. Uh, did uh, you know the, the coordinator say anything interesting? I know you said to me off air. Blake Corum had a lot of cool things to say. Uh, bring us through what stuck out to you at the Michigan session here at media today. Media well, day every, today. Everybody wants to hear about Jim Harbaugh first, and we were laughing that um, I was near Heather Dinich in the scrum, a good friend of mine. And I was like, I, I joked, I said something to the effect of, Hey, ask him if he's going to coach the Raiders next week. And, <laughs> you know, of course, Jim stalled. And I believe the question was some of the effect about his future. And he says, I hope I have a future. So the, the deflections continue, but he was very animated when talking about Corum and McCarthy and this team. And, um, you know, I like I said, Blake Corum stood out to me today because I just I, and I've been on this for a while with you where I think he's one of the genuine good guys came back to school. Maybe will be a day three NFL pick because of the measurables. But what he's done for them is amazing. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh had some nice things to say about him. I talked to Mike Hart about him. And, and remember, Mike Hart's Michigan's all time leading rusher, a four year guy that never got this opportunity, you know, never beat Ohio state on the field always. And, and you could see how Mike Hart was talking about the conversations he had with him, how much Blake means to this team. And as much as we talk about Harbaugh and McCarthy in this defense, I mean, I still think Blake Corm really is the heart of this team. And you, all you have to do is go rewatch that run against Alabama where, you know, you weren't tackling him. So I will definitely have something on him ahead of the game and uh, something on Jim Harbaugh and, <laughs> we'll see how the, the coach's press conference goes tomorrow. I have a feeling, you know, you do those percentages, Bill, he'll probably get 90% of the questions tomorrow and Kalen will get the other 10. So it's funny with, I mean, every coach loves their team, right? I mean, that's just obvious and you're going to be effusive in your praise, but with Harbaugh, he's so weird and imp- unpredictable and doesn't give the media what they're looking for. It does stand out how much, praise and admiration he seems to have for this group is that fair to say 
Yeah. Oh no, he doesn't care what we think, but he does have a genuine love for his players, and and you can tell. I I, I actually asked him the question about, you know, just knowing and growing up in the Big Ten and and knowing how important the Rose Bowl is. I actually asked him how long did you celebrate the Rose Bowl, which he was calling a glorious victory all night, versus let the switch flip to hey, we got to go play Washington. We got one more, and he talked about being on the plane and being around the players and having a Diet Coke, and then it he goes six hours. And that's the weird part. Like, who gives that answer of the exact time it took? Like, six hours. I've never heard something like that. And that's why, and I'll insist on anybody who wants to hear it, if this is it, and this is the end of the Harbaugh era, you're going to miss him if you love him or hate him. The guys that love Jim Harbaugh are going to miss him because he'll just be a, a headset on an NFL sideline until he gets to a Super Bowl. And probably playing in West Coast windows, by the way. Or will he be, for the haters, I mean, who are you going to hate? You're running out of, like, he's one of those coaches that, you know, you can hate him, say he's weird, all those things. But like I said, I mean, if you really listen to his message, he loves this team. He loves his players. And his players love him. Michael Barrett had some really good things to say about Jim Harbaugh and and, and all of his play. I've never heard, like, one of his players say, oh, he's terrible. Just a competitive, goofy guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Why doesn't anyone say Harbaugh to the Patriots? I haven't seen hey. that anywhere. I'm ready for another Hall of Fame coach to replace another Hall of Fame coach who replaced a Hall of Fame coach who replaced a Hall of Fame coach. I don't know if you realize that, but if you go Belichick, Carroll, Parcell. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty oh. good. If we get we get Harbaugh, that'd be four straight. So uh anyway, um, Back to Michigan. I've heard this talked about a little bit, and it sounds maybe dumber than it is. I think I understand what people are talking about. Is it possible they celebrated the Rose Bowl win too much? And what I mean by that is it because it was a comparison. Washington was more business-like when they won the Sugar Bowl on a last play of the game, celebrated more typically than – I mean – as has been typical with most semifinal winners. Of course, you're overjoyed. You're going to the national championship. Job's not done. Michigan celebrated one of the greatest victories in school history. And if the fan bases, the fan base felt like that, I think the coach felt like that. I think the players felt like that. Is there a danger in feeling like, all right, you got to gear it back up seven days later against a really good team? No, I mean, yeah, there's certainly something to that. But I I think they've had practice. You know, I mean, the Ohio State games are so emotional. And I, yeah, the last three years, I was like, did you, will you have an Ohio State hangover? And this year they kind of did against Iowa. But I think some of that was Sharon Moore, Harbaugh came back, all the emotions of that. I mean, they're more unified here. The, The two previous years, they, they skunked the guy, the team they played in the, the Big Ten championship. So, yeah, but to your point, yeah, I, I would say maybe a little, but maybe it was the Rose Bowl. I mean, maybe Washington would have acted different had they beat Alabama. I think some of that was the Alabama factor. Um, but, yeah, I would say the, that, that there's definitely something to that because of the quick turnaround from Monday to Monday. Any talk about – how Michigan is going to slow down Penix. That's storyline number one. Sure, the defensive players were asked about it today. Curious what they had to say. We tried, but, I mean, it was mostly just 
generic answers. You would say, well, how are you going to, you know, and it was coverage and not getting beat. Will Johnson, they're very aware of who they're playing receiver wise and vice versa. Like Roma Dunze, you rarely hear, you rarely hear those guys on the perimeter mention guys by name, but Rome mentioned Will Johnson and Will Johnson mentioned Rome. So I guess get your popcorn ready for that matchup when they're in man, because that's going to be a see, see it on Sunday soon type matchup uh, between those two. I think that's a key one. And uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Barrett, uh, Mason Graham talked about just making sure they can land that pressure on Michael Penix. They can't, they know. I think they're very aware that if they give him too much time, they're going to be in trouble. Unbelievable stat I heard this week from the Sugar Bowl. And this can lead into the Washington section. Uh, Penix targeted Odunze, McMillan, and Polk 20 times. 19 completions. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's 95%? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, and, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that goes right into what we want to talk about with Washington. And I, we, we have a feature at Sporting News about Roma Dunze, who I'd mentioned to you early in the week that I think he's the guy in this game. He's the guy that a couple years ago it was Jamar and uh, Devonte, and I have a feeling Devonte is one of the answers to your trivia question <laughs> because those guys went over two bucks, uh, and I don't think Jamar is. I'm still trying to figure out the other two in my head. Um, yeah, those two in particular, uh, unbelievable. 200-yard performances. O.J. Howard was a tight end and had it. I, I go back to T. Higgins and Justin Ross. In this championship game, about half of them, the receivers have been the difference makers. And Rome, very impressed by his maturity, his um, just there is a lot of packful pride in him. And that's what I sense today. He's a Vegas kid. He talked about growing up watching McCaffrey and the Anthony Thomas, and he knows what Pac-12 after dark means. Um, he was super <laughs> excited. And I think he is taking this personal from the, even though the Pac-12 is going away, he he's really big on West Coast football. So watch out for him. I mean, he's the one to me. If he goes off for 180 yards and two or three touchdowns, Washington could easily win this game. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, 
the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Is Washington playing the underdog angle? Nobody believes in us, chip on our shoulder, or are they like they seem like a confident bunch? Like we don't really care if we're favored or not favored. We got to go. They they were asked a lot about the close games and a little bit about the underdog stuff, but not really. I mean, I didn't detect that from Rome or Michael Penix. He didn't really talk about that Indiana game much. I mean, he was asked about it, but he just kind of you know that was so long ago and uh, right. you know Different very confident team. One of the scrums I missed, and I'm kind of upset, Dennis Dodd tweeted a picture that Warren Moon was walking around. I don't know how I missed him. Um, you know, but Kalen's same way. Kalen's not, and you know this from our talks, Kalen's not going to blow you away with the press conference, but I have a feeling he blows them away in the locker room. One of those guys that the halftime speech is much different than the very humble no nonsense speech he will give. Not, I'm not saying he's boring or anything like that, but it's very just straightforward press conference. There's nothing too flashy about it. And that's kind of his program if you really think about it. Maybe you'll get a chance to hang, uh, you know, meet him a little bit behind the curtain tonight, right? You got a special deal with the, the Eddie Robinson Award. Yeah, the FWA presents the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. And, you know, the last couple of years, honored to go do that, honored to meet. Eddie Robinson's family, first of all, and what it means to them to, to present this award every year for the former Grambling coach and the legend. And it's really cool. I mean, in past years, we've had Ed O, we've had Luke Fickle. Last year, we had Sonny. And you get a little side session with these guys about, you know, what they're all about. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to for a few minutes with Kalen. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll use that in a game story later. That's right. Did you get to talk to Braylon Trice at all? He's kind of the face of the Washington defense. They know they have a big challenge stopping the Michigan running game. Texas did a really good job running the ball against Washington, maybe didn't run it enough. Uh, I know they averaged over six yards a carry, uh, and they ended up putting 31 points a game. Michigan is going to test that run defense over and over on Monday night. Sure. Uh, that was the question. How are you going to, you know, how is their running game unique? And he was very, not very, you know, yeah, it's unique. You know, he's not, he seems like somebody I wouldn't want to block because it would be a problem, <laughs> Like, um, uh, but not in a bad way. Again, just very to the point f- forward. No, they know. He I was guess. weird on the, uh, actually, now that I think about it, on the podium, they tried to interview him after the Texas win. He was not given answers. He was No, just he's like, not He's not real interested in talking, <laughs> but that's fine. I kind of like guys like that because you know they're mean um, on the <laughs> field anyway. And he knows. I think they know exactly what I said about Michigan. They know the other side of it. They know if, if Michigan's running for six yards of carry and pushes us around and we're giving J.J. McCarthy – no pressure that it's going to be a long night for them. And that's what makes it so interesting. So, yeah, I mean, not super, I guess not super talkative, but at the same time, not saying he was disrespectful or anything like that. He's just business like any good edge rusher should be. Elijah Jackson, the hero of the sugar bowl. Did you get in a scrum with him at all? He was not on a podium, I don't think. So I was like tracking, running around a little bit. Got caught up in a discussion with Reese Davis. We'll have more on that later. Um, and we got to talking a little bit too much. Um, and inevitably, I get tied. You know me. I get sidetracked with some of these other reporters. So we do have a lot of uh, content coming. I have a lot to transcribe on this phone. But he was one that I missed. So, you know, again, 
how do they cover Michigan's receivers? Michigan's receivers aren't all world NFL guys. They're day two, day three NFL draft pick types. want to see how they cover the tight end, though. And uh, that's going to be interesting development in the game as well. All right. Well, uh, let's get down to our prediction. I know you've made it public, but I'm giving you a chance to back up a little of your bravado. Uh, Yeah, I think you picked Michigan by seven on SportingNews.com, but part of you thinks it's not even going to be close. Part of me thinks they're going to blow them out. Ooh, baby. I do, but I just went safe in in a touchdown. You know, I'm talking to Dennis Dodd last night, and – he, I can't take credit for this. I wish I could. He said, you know, 30 is kind of the magic number. And I agree. You know, the first one to 30 probably wins this game. If it gets into 38, 35 and they're slinging back and forth touchdowns, those kind of things, um, it'll probably be Washington's game. If they play to 28 and, and Washington's played some games to 28, I'll take Michigan in that one. So I always say, I probably, if I've got it at 35 to 28, it really means I think it's probably going to be 28, 21, but I always tack a touchdown on in a title game because I figure they probably, maybe there's an extra breakdown here or there. Things going to be a wildly entertaining game though, but I'm going to take the Wolverines. Yeah, I can't wait. My pick is going to be Washington. I, I made it on sportingnews.com. I think it had Washington 33, Michigan 31. To your point, if it gets in the 30s, maybe it does go Washington's way. What's interesting in this game, I think, is if either team goes down by 10 or down by 14, it's not over. It's definitely right. not over on the Washington side. And the Michigan team, over and over again, has shown their composure from things that have happened mostly off the field. But then they had a little adversity on the field against Alabama, uh, and they responded with a championship drive. And then really a, kind of a – no, I don't know about a dominant overtime, but, you know – dominant on offense two plays right into the right in the end zone so when the game was on the line they proved that they could handle pressure Washington they don't get bothered by anything that happens and and it's you know they play close game after close game after close game and also when things fell apart at the seams uh, with Dylan Johnson getting hurt and all of a sudden Texas you blink and you think you won the game and now they have three cracks at it from the 10-yard line and you, you stand up again. Uh, to me, that was really impressive and showed that you know they can handle, obviously, any kind of pressure that's thrown their way. Two undefeated teams, can't wait. But, you know, like I said, a 10-point lead in this game is not going to be the end, uh, and I'm going to take Washington. And that's not a bad pick. I mean, it, that's why, you know, we're going out with this special game and, and everything's going to change. A lot of, I will say this, a couple things, a little inside things that I'm hearing here, you know, with no sourcing to back this up, but just pulling reporters and kind of asking them, you know, what do you think? And there's a general consensus that this is it for Jim Harbaugh, like that he's going to the NFL. And it's not like, it's just palpable in some ways. So maybe he goes that that's one thing. If that's an emotional factor here, I, like I said, there's no Adam Schefter type sourcing here. It's just like talking to reporters. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And that feels like a, a real thing here. And then two, like you and said, then, and then was, is that a Michigan advantage or disadvantage? Well, I don't know. I, I think, I yeah. think they, really love Harbaugh, but I don't look, think they look at, I think they would look at it the other way around. Like these players want to win this for Harbaugh and not he's bailing on us. 
So agree. And, and then from the Washington side, you're you're right. There isn't an underdog to it. Normally, there's somebody's an underdog here. Even Georgia was an underdog here in the past in their own mind. And I'm like, you know me, I'm just like, what are you talking about? But um, Alabama's been an underdog here in the past. It's not an underdog feel. I think they're just setting up for a really good football game. A lot of respect for each team. Um, got to catch up with several guests who have been on the podcast with with us here, Chris Hummer and Jacob Hester. I I drew I walked by him on his radio row and kind of gave him a high five and didn't even say a word. So it's good to have some of the guys that have been on this show uh, get to see him in person. So we'll have some fun tonight. We'll have some fun on Monday. We'll have a recap later this week. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited, Bill, and as always, blessed to have the opportunity. All right, so one of the pieces of content we're going to have, I think we're going to run it Monday morning before the championship, is the uh, way too early, top 25. You put a lot of time into that. Uh, it got, get, always gets a lot of attention. And as I point out every year, the guys who do it, like you, I mean, I, I help out and, and do some research too, but all the, all the people – put a caveat as like, Oh, you know, it's too early. There's going to be transfer portal and, and coaching changes and all this stuff. And then when you roll out the AP preseason top 25 in August, it looks very similar to the composite way too early, which is, which is funny because it's true. A lot is going to change between now and August, but uh, people don't change their rankings very much. So this really does set the tone. So I don't want to spoil it for mm-hmm. people. Uh, if, if this gets published uh, Sunday, as far as, uh, the order, you know, top to t- top 10. But I do want you to give the order of your top three SEC teams and your top three Big Ten teams. And then people can figure out when maybe what the other uh, order is of the oh, whole thing. Oh, dear. What's your top three SEC and your top three, the new SEC and the you new. You didn't league. change anything, did you? Like, not yet. Not yet. I'm just going through your. So what, what we have, <laughs> it would be Georgia, Alabama, Texas. Georgia, Alabama, SEC, Texas, Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State. And that is fluid because we, as we mentioned in the top 25, my opinion on Michigan would change a lot if McCarthy and Harbaugh come back. So I'd be like, yeah, that's four. Uh, if they don't, um, and looking at their schedule. And that is the theme of this top 25 that's coming out Monday is it's a lot of SEC. It's a lot of Big Ten. Those two conferences are going to uh, have a lot of uh, teams in this and a lot of teams in the playoff, which, you know, it's going to lead to questions about what's next with Florida State and Notre Dame and and those type schools. So, yeah, I think be prepared for the SEC and the Big Ten to dominate this and dominate the next chapter. So before diving in, I look at this game, I feel like Michigan's got a ton of seniors, a ton of guys that are going to leave and Harbaugh might leave, too. Washington, same way, very veteran group. They had like seven or eight guys that could have gone pro last year, could have left, didn't, all came back, ran it back, all the receivers, Penix, and it went as well as it could go. These are two of the kind of the non-superpower teams that aren't in the top three in recruiting every year. So they're not going to be in national championship games year after year after year. This, to me, I think both teams are going to take a pretty good step back. It's hard to drop them in the present tense when you're looking ahead just because you see them on the field in the national championship game. Wouldn't surprise me if both of them finished outside the top 10 next year. Hot take? Too hot? 
No, I mean, it's not. I mean, Michigan, like I said, I, we've we've said that last year about them, though, and they do have a more veteran group this year than usual, but I think they have enough talent to at least survive in the Big Ten, maybe lose one or two. Uh, Washington, I mean, it's Will Rogers, so if, if he can keep that going, they did have – both of these teams were all-in teams this year, but um, I still think they'll be competitive in their conferences. But, yeah, Washington was tough to rank, and there's some other teams, some newbies on there um, that'll be interesting to see what people think. But, I, like I said, people bash that top 25 all the time, and I it goes in one year out the other because I actually enjoyed doing it because it's like a first look at next year, and – you know, it's, you know, last year, like I said, we had Texas in the top 25 and I got laughed out of the building. I got laughed out of this building where I'm at or wherever I was last year in LA showing <laughs> it to people. Cause we do a little show and tell with these, with some of the other writers. And I was getting laughed at and I said, I, I just go to that. Well, eventually I'll be right. And then it only took like seven tries. <laughs> <laughs> you, you missed my peach bowl teams, right. Ole Miss and Penn state and they're not in the top three of either league. We'll see. Uh, you know I'm a big on a uh, big Rebel fan. Like Ole Miss, I've warned you about Penn State, but yeah, you, Ole Miss could be definitely. Yeah, Ole Miss, and I know, I know, I like to give you a hard time about Penn State. They do have the quarterback back. They do have the running backs back. They do have the head coach back. They're usually pretty good on defense. We'll see, but uh, yeah, they haven't proven it yet. So, all right, well. That's good. Let's go back to the trivia question and then let you get ready for uh, the Eddie Robinson Award ceremony tonight. Uh, the trivia question was, uh, can you name the three players who were the most outstanding offensive player of the CFP National Championship game? Three out of nine were non-quarterbacks. You probably shouldn't have asked me this question when I just submitted the other night a um, all playoff 10 and 10 year anniversary team, because right. I definitely looked at the offensive players that night. Um, but I'm, for, I'm drawing a blank on one of them. Cause I think it's one guy or the other. So it's definitely Elliot, Ezekiel Elliot, Ezekiel Elliot, 2014. Yes. He He's was definitely Devonte. Definitely Devonte. I don't think Jamar did because I think that was Joe Burrow that year. It was Joe um, Burrow. So it's either OJ Howard or Derek Henry. And I'm not 100% sure who. I, I'm going to guess Derrick Henry. I, I don't, but it's probably O.J. Howard. So one of those two. I, I've said Derrick Henry. O.J. Howard. <laughs> it was O.J., of course, because he had like 200 yards in that game. And and when we – I just was doing some research for the Roma Dunze piece, the three guys that have had 200 yards in the championship game are Jamar, Devontae, and O.J. Howard. So, yeah, that makes sense. There you go. So, yeah, so the answer to the trivia question, the three non-quarterbacks, Ezekiel Elliott for Ohio State, O.J. Howard for Alabama the next year, year two of the championship, and then Devontae uh, Smith the year he won the Heisman Trophy, and Alabama beat Ohio State for the national championship. All right, Bill, we will let you go. You're a busy man. That was really fun. Thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Our next show will be after the national title game. Bill will be back in Columbus. I'll still be here outside of Atlanta, and uh, we'll get started on what figures to be a very interesting and very fun offseason. We'll get it running, but uh, until then, enjoy Monday night. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.